Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. I gotta say, I was shocked when I saw this. This, when they say bombshell stories as far as relationships in Hollywood, this is one of them. Uh, maybe the definition that uh, Hugh Jackman and his wife Deborah are calling it quits after 27 years. It does not feel, based on what they are saying, that there is any acrimony here. Um, and it also feels like this may have been Something. maybe a long time in coming, but it sounds like they are going off on whatever personal journeys they're going off on. It's the way they described it when they announced their separation. But um, I, I gotta say, I. I didn't see it. Well, I, there, there were no signs of it even earlier this year. Um, I, the last time we saw them together at a public event was in May, um, and they showed up at the event together, seemed all smiles. Again, we always say appearances. And to your point, even if they did know that this was coming, there was no reason that shows that there was no, there's no animosity. Absolutely. Because they were fine in May. He was in, in Wimbledon. April, he was in Wimbledon. Uh, yeah. uh, separately, he was mm -hmm. he was alone there. Uh, in April, they celebrated their 27th anniversary. They both posted uh, some very sweet things about each other and about their the family that they built. So when you see all that, you go, yeah, that makes sense. That's you and Deborah. That's the way they've always been. And then, and then this today happens. Yeah. Well, here's what I find very interesting about the the timing of this is you know you always talk about this is a successful marriage in, in large part. This is 27 years. They've sure. got two kids who are now adults. They have Oscar, who's 23, and Ava, who's 18. So she just became an adult. And that always makes me wonder is, were they going on this separate journey earlier than that, but just wanted to see see it through so that their kids could be grown up and not have to live through a divorce? I don't know. Yeah, here's the statement that they put out kind of describing uh, what happened. Yeah, we have been blessed to share almost three decades together as husband and wife in a wonderful, loving marriage. Our journey now is shifting, and we have decided to separate to pursue our individual growth. Individual growth is something that doesn't happen on a dime. It happens over time. And I, I, look, I don't know, but I'm just gonna kind of put it out there that it doesn't seem entirely coincidental that this is happening when their youngest child turned 18. As Derek said, yeah, that Ava's now 18. Um, and remember, they they met. They're, Deborah is an actress. Uh, they met while they were doing a show together in uh, in Australia, and um, so they're they're both from show business. Um, I don't know what the individual growth means exactly, but I'm sure we're going to find out. I found the statement very interesting. You know, like when you are married, you do stop individual growth and you grow as a couple or you grow together or you grow apart. And sometimes uh, it feels not great when your individual growth is stunted for that period of time and you want to go spread your wing. So interesting you say that, say it that way, Derek, because there is the possibility that two people can individually grow but still connect on a level of merit. No. I've heard, no. I mean, I've heard of these hypotheticals, but we're dealing in reality here, Harvey. Anyway, I mean, look, we have been covering so many acrimonious divorces with Kevin Costner and, you know, but I will Brad say Pitt and Angelina. We always say that at the beginning, there's usually a joint statement and they say that it's gonna be amicable. I think this one's different, Charles. I, I hope it is. I, it does feel different, and especially after 27 years of marriage, you would hope that it's I really think this gonna, one's different. not gonna flip, but um, that's it, we'll see. Hey, this is Ace from Charlotte, man. I'll just tell you this. This proves my point. You can be with somebody, 
for as long as they've been together and then still call it quits. So don't waste your money getting married. Stay single. City boys up. Let's go. <laughs> well, I get your point, but I do have a question for you because we have a debate about this all the time in the newsroom. Right. 27 years, they're divorcing. Is that a successful marriage? Uh, hell no. Only what? death then? Yeah. Till death Til be death death apart? Yeah, that's the finish line. Death do us part. And 27 years isn't successful? Mm, nah. Okay. Then maybe they should change the thing about till death do us part. I'm telling you, they should do marriages like driver's licenses. You should consciously renew it every four years and at least have the discussion, do we really want to keep going? Is there an eye test also when you do it? <laughs> yeah, if you're, blind, if you're blind, you stay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. I didn't mean that. It was a joke. Uh, okay, we're going we're, we're to move on. Yes, uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, perhaps a new couple, uh, Taylor Swift and um, one of the biggest stars in the NFL, uh, Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, there's been some buzz all week about this. We've yet to see any photos, but now we have testimony from Travis's uh, brother, who's also very famous. And the, very close to Travis. Very close. Tra Travis and Jason, who a lot of people got to know. If you didn't know Jason, uh, you certainly did learn about him when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and there was a lot of talk about the brothers playing against each other. Well, last night, the Eagles were on Thursday Night Football, and afterward, uh, Jason <laughs> was cornered. They asked him, uh, Tony Gonzalez asked him, uh, about this rumor of Travis and um, and Taylor dating, and here's what uh, Big Bro had to say. So you talk about family, and my, my, my I have a 15 year old daughter, and she's a big fan of a certain pop star, and you have a family yeah, member, yeah. a brother, I, yes, know, yes. I think, yeah. and I've been hearing rumors yes. that there's. Maybe Don't, some stuff. Can you comment I, I on this? I've seen these rumors. I cannot comment. Yeah, did they? I'm gossiping. You can't. Right, right, right. We're going on TMZ. What are we doing? It's for my daughter, okay? What are we doing? Ever since catching Kelsey, everybody has been infatuated with Travis's love life. So um, I don't really know what's going on there. Um, so, yeah, I know Trav is, is having fun, and uh, we'll see what happens with whoever he ends up with. <laughs> well, I, I love that he says, I don't really know anything, but I know Travis is having fun. Jason, Those two things are interesting. Jason Kelsey has become so savvy with the media that he said everything perfectly there. And, and even he harkened back to Travis's reality I th I, show. I, I think he gave a little away though. I think he gave a little. Yeah, away. they're definitely dating. Oh, I think get out of here, dating. Mike. You don't they're, know those that. guys are. They're Jason and Travis. They're close with one another. They talk all the time. They have a podcast. Yeah. Also, you've got to factor in that Travis is on the record saying how much he likes uh, Taylor Swift and actually wanted to even give her his phone number. He tried to go to one of her, or he did go to one of her concerts. He tried to meet her in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium uh, while she was on tour. And of course, she doesn't meet people before or after the show. He wrote his phone number on a friendship bracelet that he was going to present to her. <laughs> But, so, never, but never got to, at never least, got to. as far as he's saying well, at this point. I'm thinking, Charles, he got her the phone number some other way, and uh, the sparks were flying, and now they're dating. That's what I think. So I've got a little recon. I do not know for sure. I, mm -hmm. I want to make that clear. But I got a recon that makes you think. My spidey senses are telling me right, it's true. Peter tr Parker. Gosh, they're, telling me, they're telling me it's true that they are dating. I, I've just, there's some recon that I've got. And again, it's not solid, but it's pretty good. And I think they have been dating. I have no idea 
if they are, how seriously. But there are reasons. I will say this. There are reasons I'm saying that. If they are dating, and obviously they haven't done anything publicly, it's got to be very hard. They're, Taylor is a, a very tall woman, but Travis is a big guy who you can't sneak into any place being as famous as Taylor Swift is and being... You've never heard of a laundry like, he's cart? He's like 6'6". Six, six. He's, he's a yeah. big guy. Is he 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, he's a yeah. He's tall. So this, that's not... You don't... So clearly, if they are dating, they're only doing things completely in private because somebody would see those two walking. Can you imagine well, yeah, if of they course. do they're make not going to first, a restaurant. No, but when they do go out for the first time, if they are actually dating... Talk about a power couple. I mean, she obviously is as big as they get, and he might be the greatest uh, tight end ever. So. And, 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 you, you know, want, I just, I just you want to wager. I'll bet you that they are. Oh, for sure, I would bet. Well, oh, wait, I don't know. No, for sure, I, I would don't know bet. about your intel, but I, I would absolutely bet you, and I'd give you odds. Um, I just want to say one other thing that, especially with Taylor Swift fans, they're never happy with who she dates. They always kind of go after the guy. This is the one where you I think, think this they would the one they would approve. I think this is the Taylor Swift fan stamp of approval if she's dating Travis Kelsey. I really believe that. I think he's beloved. He's a huge star. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in his world, he is top of the game, and she's top of the game. And I think people would like it. I really do. I just wanted to say, uh, Travis Kelsey sucks. Taylor Swift <laughs> what? Um. He's a, a thirsty frat boy. The last rumor was that he was chasing after the chief's daughter, uh, the owner's daughter. So, Grace. so wait, wait. Uh, you're you're a Swifty, right? You're a Swift Taylor Swift fan. I'm friends with Taylor Swift fans. Uh, okay. You're friends with Taylor Swift fans. So, <laughs> so Harvey's wrong that Swifties aren't going to sign off on this. Uh, the only reason anybody would is because there'd be a good album that comes out of it. That guy sucks. He's a thirsty <laughs> frat. Oh God, I like him. I, I like him. I okay. like Travis Scott. It is a, a, a subject that everybody at some point has thought about. Um, I think about it all the time. What happens when you die? Do you, what are your, is there life after death? Do you have thoughts? Do and we've, you, we, you've heard of people who die and then they come back and they right. say, I saw light, I, you know, and you've heard all these stories. Well, guess what? There is a real research study now um, with a, scores of people that have had that experience. And I think for the first time, we're really going to know what right. a group says happened when they are clinically dead. Because there is a researcher who has actually gotten this group together and is collecting all of their experiences. So this is not a one-off where you hear one person say, and you're like, eh, maybe not. Um, it is... Uh, Fascinating oh, study. So one, fascinating. One of the subjects of the study um, is an author named Mary Curran Hackett. A very um, accomplished author. Uh, an author who has had a, um, a life or an, an after-death experience. Uh, she's also written books, novels, that uh, touch on this. Very successful ones. You've probably, maybe you've heard of Proof of Heaven and also Proof of Angels. So joining us right now to talk about this study is Mary Curran Hackett. Mary, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you. It's such an honor. I love you guys. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I, I am so fascinated, Mary. I could talk to you all day. Why don't you just start by explaining your personal experience? What happened to you in 2004? 2004 was one of many cardiac arrests. This one was the one that I know for sure I was in cardiac arrest because I happened to be in a hospital already hooked up to machines. And so the doctors could confirm 
that yes, you weren't fainting, you weren't whatever, you were flatlined. So that's the one I am talking about. Um, so what happened was I was essentially sucked out of my body and I had, it was dark. It was not like, oh, light and fairies and God and angels or anything that I had ever, you know, been taught or what I was raised with. It was a deep sense of awareness and knowing and a, a, a terminology I use, but it's popular now is everything happening everywhere all at once. I could feel the nurse's anxiety. I could see her running to get atropine. I could see the doctors leaving another hospital room, coming down the hallway to come to work on me. I could hear the codes going out. Um, I was very lucid and very aware of everything happening around me. And at the same time, aware that my body was there and I was somewhere else. And I felt completely calm and at peace and just I, a very strong sense of knowing and awareness that everything was okay while I, while I was here and that I was kind of going home to a place of love and that everything was going to work out very well. And, um, and then I felt sucked back in. Um, and I woke up and I saw Dr. Wilson, the doctor who I had seen running down the hall. <laughs> and uh, then they confirmed I had a cardiac arrest. And shortly after I had a pacemaker put in and then after that ablations, surgeries, all sorts of things. I think it's important that th you can have a cardiac arrest and still be alive. At the time you were clinically dead, yeah, the process of dying, that's another thing that Dr. Parnian talks about in lucid dying is death is not binary. We know it's a process. So what is happening in our brains and consciousness? Is this consciousness us? How big is our consciousness? Where does it reside? These are huge questions that scientists all over the world are currently looking at. And Dr. Parnia talks about in his book, and he is brilliant and masterful. And he's really looking at the whole picture and a lot of people have been wary of doing that because it, they don't fit into holes, um, religion or science. You have scientists, oh, there's nothing, or there's it, it fits this religious context. And he is really looking at it from a holistic perspective and really wanting to know what's happening in the brain and the body. So technically, when there is no pulse and there is no oxygen coming to your brain, you should not be having these lucid, very lucid experiences. Wow. So, Mary, wow. you, next thing we wanted to talk about is the study that Dr. Parnia has, uh, has put together, and he's writing this book, Lucid Dying. Tell us about the study, what you've done, uh, what your involvement has been, and what he's doing overall. Is, like, how many people uh, is he, how many people? people in the story. I am simply helping him. I am by trade a writer and an editor. He is the scientist, the thought leader in this arena and um, the writer and so and the researcher. And he has a team of scientists doing this research. I'm not involved. I'm in that. I am more involved in how to interpret this data and help people understand all of the information that he is um, learning about. So I'm more of a, I, I, a fancy transcriber, if you will, <laughs> or helping him, but it's, it's all his research. And it's, um, he's really, he's, he has talked to hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, and he hasn't stopped. And they're from all walks of life, all across the globe, 
all different cult cultures, different religions, different um, socioeconomic backgrounds, and they are all saying very similar things. This sense of being enveloped with love and compassion, this sense of um, feeling at peace and lack of confusion, also a sense of vastness and hyper-awareness um, of what's going on. And I think that is just instead of discrediting people or just flat out saying you're crazy or bananas or you're not dead, we're looking at the totality of the death process because to be quite honest, we're getting at the vanguard of resuscitation science. There's just so much. We could be bringing people back after hours. Did it eliminate your fear of death having gone through it? Um, yes, and you do realize you're going to be separate. You do realize you won't be with the people you love. So when you come back and you're with your human family and your body and stuff, what causes pain and anxiety for all of us is separation from our loved ones. You know, that's what I fear is, well, my, I know in my mind, my kids will be okay. My husband will be okay. My family will be okay. Everybody will be fine. But as a mother, yes, you. I don't take my life in my hands because, woo, I'm going to die. I definitely am conscious that I, you know, I love my life and I love the people in it. And I'm just much more hyper aware of that. But I'm not afraid of the moment when it comes. I just know um, I'll be fine. And and I think that's the key message that I, that I think Dr. Parney is trying to get across too, but also understand why is this happening? What is the mechanism in the brain? And there's a lot of research from a lot of different scientists that he has um, incorporated and, and he's brilliant. Wow. And I wow. think more people will listen to it. And I think it's important to remove the conversation from a religious context or a philosophical right. context. Right. Start right. to really look at it from a scientific or analytical context. Right. So yeah. people feel validated. I, I could listen wow. to you all day long. I, I, this is <laughs> honestly, as soon as I found out about you, I, I came into the office this morning and I told Charles, I, we have got to put her on TMZ Live. I, I'm it fascinated is, um, by this. We can go out and talk because I could talk about this. <laughs> I can listen. And I can't wait till the doctor's book comes out. I am there. Um, this is fascinating, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Good luck with everything. All right. And you too. Really appreciate it. Wow. It I was, told you how fascinating no, the, this was. As she was describing her experience, it felt like... An, I'm honored to ask, but I've, I've, I feel like I've experienced something that feels like that in a dream that like, right. I know you say you're not, you don't die in your dreams. I've actually had dreams where I do die. And, and it feels like she was describing things that I, I kind of felt and it, it's, yeah, it's weird. This is, I told you. It's all electrical. Um, it's just nuts. It's your brain, it's all electricity. It's no secret. I love Vegas. I will go to Vegas the drop of a hat. But this might be the one weekend I would not want to be in Vegas after a cyber attack, a series of cyber attacks on huge resorts there. The MGM resorts, uh, their hotels, and even Caesars is, um, there is a report in CNBC that Caesars was also uh, attacked. And this was calamitous. I mean, th th there was information stolen from guests. Uh, this is uh, by hackers, um, social security cards, other very sensitive information. Um, people sensitive were locked out of their rooms. People locked out of the rooms. People got into their rooms and found there were other people in their rooms because the, the, the keys that they used, the cards, 
Some of them are working, some aren't working. Casinos it is shut down. Absolute chaos. The slot machines, you don't know what's happening. They're paying some people by hand because the machines won't spit out the money, won't spit out a ticket for them. Absolute chaos. So we follow the money every week with Damon John. This is, and a, this is a bullshit. If you're, if you're in Vegas, um, whether you are a resort owner, uh, whether you are a guest who is there, there is a lot of money on the line, even more so uh, than usual. So uh, joining us right now to follow the money on this calamitous story is Damon John from Shark Tank. Welcome back, Damon. Welcome. Thank you for having me. What's happening, guys? Well, Damon, this, <laughs> this is, you know, I got to say, I would be scared to go to Vegas this weekend. All right, you, slow down. I well, no, 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 hold scared. on. You don't know when the next shoe will drop, and you could be the person whose information gets compromised. Well, you don't even have to be in Vegas for your information well, that's to be true. compromised. That's true. If you've but, already signed up for rewards programs, you're, you're in jeopardy. What's your take on this? You know, this is very interesting because as I saw this, I had to re-evaluate uh, what I was doing myself. So this is not nothing new. So for, for the general public, hackers do this all the time and they hack hospitals, they hack various other things. Now, Vegas has always been a place that is two things you could tr trust, an honest game and that your money is safe. And now that is not the truth anymore. And this can happen to local casinos too. But what I did is I called up my fellow shark, Robert Hershevich, who happens to be one of the top 10 uh, cyber, uh, cyber crime experts in the world. And this happens in all aspects. I think Caesars paid something like $30 million. Uh, Damon, like they, now, they were asked for 30 million. The demand was 30 million in ransom. They paid 15 million. Right. And now this happened, as, as far as the reports say, this happened to somebody going on LinkedIn, finding an employee, then calling the help desk, and the attack was a result of a 10-minute phone conversation. Now, where is follow money to all of us here? Well, uh, they're losing approximately 100 or about $90 million an hour over there. But where's follow the money? I asked Robert and I asked other people. They said, first of all, when you go into uh, – they're never going to public Wi-Fi. Always do a VPN, all right? Um, and never use your laptop to watch TV because you want to do all these kind of services. You got to do hotspots. Uh, never purchase by uh, by uh, by the room. You got to call the front desk instead of attaching your credit card. And more importantly, use credit cards over debit cards. And of course, tell your bank that you're traveling so they look out for these things. These are the only things you technically can do, but you're going to get somehow compromised, whether it's a hospital, a, a fast food chain, a, a Starbucks, your card being in Starbucks and or uh, something like casinos. So this is a mess. And people want to know why hackers, what they're doing. They're modern day hijackers. They're not using a gun. They're doing this all the time. Imagine hospitals where they're saying, I will cut off the power in the whole hospital and lives will be lost. This is a serious matter. Wow. So I, I mean, your point to the consumer is you have to be very careful about your money, and when, I say, when we say your money, we mean a credit card, a debit card. If you're not tracking how it's being put out to the world, you can be assured that there are hackers who are tracking it. And if you don't use things like a VPN, uh, if you stay out, go on public Wi-Fi, you're gonna be exposed. When you're using old electronics, and I promise you, I'm not getting paid by any of them, when you get new devices, what they have is more levels of security and firewalls. So if you're using a phone that is outdated or six or seven uh, 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 phones ago, this is why a lot of times they have these updates and these new technologies. You will be compromised one way or another. It's just when it will happen, how it will happen, and how are you protecting yourself so that they kind of go on to softer targets. It's so interesting. I never thought about it until you said it. 
that that's a reason to get a new phone because of the technology in keeping up with this. I never thought of that. I'm wondering on the money side, um, slightly different issue. Is it smart to pay a ransom? Because doesn't that just encourage them to do it again and again and again? It is smart to pay a ransom when you have big money like that. The reason they hit casinos is they know they have the money. It is smart to pay them. Why? Get them out of your system and then pay even twice as much to hire a Robert or somebody else to do your firewalls. A lot of big companies, you know what they do? They pay hackers to hack the system instead. So they, they, you know, if you heard that before, right? Hack my system. And there are honest hackers too, but they need to pay them because that's not going to stop. I mean, listen, if they don't pay, they're going to be shut down for, I don't know how long period of time. Get this out of the way and then now reinvest in your security system. That's the same thing as somebody broke into your home. Now you got to start building other various aspects or what are you going to do? Thank you for saying that's that about a, the phone, though. It, no, that's a really, I never thought really of that. Good. I'm going to get a new phone. I mean, when you just said that, I'm literally, I'm going to get a new phone this weekend. Yeah, if you can. <laughs> I am. You know, oh. Unfortunately, oh, you know, no. people with, without the means, well, then, you know, maybe you, I don't know, switch out your phone. I have no idea. I don't have the answer to everything. All I can tell you is I promise you, as I keynote for a lot of these big corporations, I realize that technology changes and they keep up and they keep moving. So the hackers move on to the softer targets because they go, I don't have the technology for iPhone new. I have it though. I've, I've been able to study the last four for like four years. I got the system now. Yeah, I get it. You know? well, wow. All right, Damon. Uh, that was good advice. Our Thank entire you, IT team is now terrified <laughs> because Harvey's getting a new phone. They know it's going to be a long weekend. Thanks for being with us, man. Right, we'll yeah. see you next time. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. Not, not untrue. Yeah. Okay, we're taking it. Apart. All right. So when we come back, Drew Barrymore is issuing an apology to the writers, uh, writers on her staff, writers who are on strike because, you know, she brought her show back. But does this mean she is going to stop doing her show? Welcome back to TMZ Live. Drew Barrymore has uh, a follow-up message uh, to the one she had at the beginning of the week, which was that she is bringing her show back, uh, even though the writer's strike is still going on. I have to say, Charles, this follow-up is baffling. I, I'm, I'm also <laughs> equally baffled. Uh, it's an apology, essentially, an apology for bringing the show back. Which she's doing. And she's not changing her mind on that. The show will continue. Um, so I guess it's maybe more of an explanation than an apology. Uh, here, here's what it is, and then we gotta talk about this. I've been through so many ups and downs in my life. And this is one of them. I deeply apologize to writers. I deeply apologize to unions. I deeply apologize. We aren't going to break rules and we will be in compliance. I wanted to do this because, as I said, this is bigger than me and there are other people's jobs on the line. I want to just put one foot in front of the other and make a show that's there for people, regardless of anything else that's happening in the world. I mean, on I, a level, I, I, I understand. I understand 
that she feels bad for the writers, and I get that. No. But when you apologize, and, and I also understand, because we've talked about this with Bill Maher, that there are a lot of other people who are suffering from this with no end in sight, and he, she's choosing a side. But it feels like when you apologize, it's almost like I I've done something wrong. Now, having seen it, now I get it. I understand what's happening. The other difference, Harvey, though, is that like you know, Bill Maher and, and Drew Barrymore, they're getting crucified, which is weird because there's other shows that came back, like The Talk, where no one's really talking about them. Like well, if you look on I social mean, look, media for whatever reason. Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher are bigger targets. That's just, and they're I mean, stars. And The Talk right. is an ensemble show. These right. are individual celebrities. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's easier for people to go after them than it is an ensemble cast, like The View or The Talk. Can I tell you what I think is what happened here just by how emotional yeah. she was? She has, I'm sure, remember Drew Barrymore has been a star since what age? Uh, eight or something you know, like that, yeah. So she's been in the union. And so this isn't just about the writers who are, I think that what she's been getting online is this a lot of vitriol from union people in general. And they feel like she has Charles. turned her back. I'm Charles just telling you. I, I get but it. But she's internalizing but all of that hate. How did she not know that was going to happen? I don't, you're right. I, she didn't, I think Drew probably had a conversation with her writers on her show. And that's all she was worried about and didn't think and about. And nobody around her said, by the way, there, there's going to be a the torrent. Of, really? I, yeah, I think that's what, I mean, that. That's what you, I mean, Harvey, it is, it is kind of a complicated issue, no? Like, she's trying to save the jobs of the right. other people, but at the same time, she's hurting her friends and people who are writers. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough situation. I completely buy what you say, and I agree with you. I'm just saying the element of surprise that this, you know, it, it, there was no, there should have been no surprise in this. You're right. Someone I mean, should have said to her, look, you are in a union, and so if you are doing anything that is perceived as going against your union, You're gonna be looking all at as, union people. They're gonna look at you as a scab. And right. then you've gotta make a choice. And the choice is, look, there are two groups here and one, both groups are dying right now, but do you wanna save the people who are not striking right now? And yeah. I mean, that's kind of the issue. And you can come out either way, but you know that it's gonna be controversial. Hi everyone, I'm Holly, also known as Holly Girl from Arizona. Um, I feel for Drew Barrymore on this one. Um, I know it was a very hard decision that she had to make, but I think that she, her heart really is looking out for her staff and the pe other people that, you know, are on her team. And so I, it's really hard. She had to have known it was a complicated issue, um, but I think that she honestly did what's best for her and her staff. Yeah. Okay, we got to move on. We want to talk about this Hunter Biden story. Yes, so you know that Hunter Biden, the president's son, was hit with an indictment yesterday, uh, three different counts for gun charges. Basically, an addict who signed a form saying, I'm not an addict to get a gun, um, and he was an addict at the time, and he's now being prosecuted and could face up to 10 years uh, in prison if convicted. So as the indictment uh, went down yesterday, the, and obviously he's known that this has been something in the works, um, there's certainly no evidence that he was too worried about it the night before uh, because we got these photos of him out in Malibu at an event there for a, a local uh, pizza pizzeria. I wanna say something about this, this charge. I, I was watching one of the cables this morning and there was a former federal prosecutor who was on saying, you know, this is ridiculous, that a jury, that prosecutors shouldn't have done this, that, you know, if a, if a jury hears it, they're gonna be sympathetic because, because everybody's had relatives. 
I mean, look, I'm not saying this about Hunter Biden, and I don't want to make this political, but this is a form of gun control. You don't want That's addicts. That's exactly what it is. You, it right. is gun control. You don't want addicts to have guns. And if an addict ended up shooting and killing his wife or shooting up a school and they didn't enforce this law, there would be hell to pay. Right. And there's a reason for this law. So it shouldn't be politicized one way or the other, at least, I don't know, the way I see it. Yeah. The mystery about what's going on in Kyle Richards' marriage uh, is getting a little deeper, I think, <laughs> because... It's getting also a little more revealing. Uh, there's something revealing here. We actually got uh, her estranged husband, uh, Maurizio, uh, out in Hollywood yesterday. He is going to be on Dancing with the Stars, you may have heard, and he was leaving rehearsal with his dance partner. And we asked him about uh, whether Kyle's, what do we call her, um, Really, friend? really close friend. Really close friend. Um, Morgan Wade. Country star Morgan Wade was um, welcome to come, <laughs> to come check out his show. Listen to what he said. Not only is she welcome, but he says so much more about his relationship with Morgan. Are you excited for Kyle to come to the live show? Absolutely. Yeah? Wait. Well, is Morgan Wade going to be coming to the live show? Oh, I don't know. They're filming. They're doing all kinds of stuff. So who knows? Yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Are you, do you have a good relationship with her? I love her. Yeah, she's great. Oh, really? I love, I love that. Morgan, yeah. Do you think you might dance to one of her songs? I don't think we're doing any country, are we? Um, I don't know yet. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure that out as we go. If you do, which song would you dance to? Oh my gosh, she's got so many great songs. Yeah? yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, I don't know right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got other songs in my head. Wow, if you're a fan of the show, you are more confused than ever after seeing this clip. Or less. Really? Mm. You keep saying less. I, I know. Don't, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not buying that, Harvey, because here's the thing. Everyone has been speculating that Kyle and Morgan Wade are in a relationship and that Mauricio and Kyle are separating, which that part is true. Remember, Kyle's been leaning into all these No, so the part that's true in. is they're separating. Yeah. Yes, yeah, but that's what you meant. a yeah. lot of people think that Kyle has moved on. And usually in a divorce, if your partner has moved on with somebody else, there might be there. It wouldn't be as chummy as he's saying. Like, he's like, oh, I would love to see Morgan. She's a great person. I'd he love said, for her to I love Morgan. I mean, so there's no animosity. We knew there was no animosity between Kyle and and uh, and Mauricio. But the fact that Mauricio doesn't feel any... I think it's part of the same package, that I don't think there's any animosity that Mauricio has toward Kyle, nor Morgan White. I think, they're, I think Morgan and Kyle are kind of a package deal in this thing. And, I, and, and everything mm. I know, and I do have some recon on this, they're all getting along. I mean, it's real. No, they I, are really getting along. I agree. They're, that's they're going on vacation together still, you know, and partly because of the kids. But, I mean, look... Uh, Kyle and Morgan Wade have literally been joined at the hip for months now. And it all kind of, and, and I'm not, I, look, I have no idea what the nature of their relationship is. They could just be good friends. It could be more, I don't know. But whatever it is, she's kind of pursuing her own individual journey. And, and Mauricio is he's down with totally it. Down and, with. and remember, Kyle is working with Morgan Wade on this documentary. Kyle says they're working in kind of like a business setting. But like I mentioned. The business setting is in Paris this week. Yes, they are <laughs> right. in Paris business together <laughs> this week looking like they're having a great time. And then, of course, there was that music video that Morgan was in where Kyle was like kind of kissing her, almost kissing. I mean, it was just 
it, it's really fueling all these rumors about them dating. But then you have Mauricio that's like, oh, I love Morgan. I, I have a friend, and I'm not saying this is the equivalent, mm -hmm. but I have a friend who was with a woman for 10 years, and they were, they lived right. together and all, and she decided that she wanted to be with women, and they, to this day, are really close friends, and they were always close friends, and there was never that animosity because, you know, you can't right. say to somebody, you can't feel the way you feel. But we don't know that that's what's happening We don't know that that's situation. what's happening. I'm just saying, I, I think what we can, the one thing we can agree on is that whatever is really going on, and the three of them know what's really going on, everybody's fine with it. Hi, this is Shane from Stockton, California. And, you know, I don't think there's anything going on between Kyle and Morgan Reed. I think they're very good friends. Um, I watched the video more times than I'd like to admit, but there's no chemistry between them. I think they're just working on this project. And Kyle, we've seen it before with some of the other housewives. She had develops these intense friendships fast. And I really think that we're going to find a lot out when the season airs, but there's no relationship. Whatever's happening, you know, good for you guys. <laughs> A happy, I think it's safe to say, a happy 39th birthday for Prince Harry um, because he is doing something that he absolutely loves, something he's poured his heart and soul into, and that is hosting the Invictus Games. Which he created. Yes, created back in 2014, um, and it is going down right now in Germany. So he and Meghan Markle are there as the, um, the host of the event. It happens to be his 39th birthday. So in the middle, uh, they're actually attending a volleyball uh, match at the during the games, and the match ended, and then they got a little surprise uh, over the PA announcement. The Nigerian team. During yesterday's game, they both came to watch the game on field number one. Ukraine, Nigeria. Nigeria beating Ukraine by two sets. Enjoying the occasion here. So wait, this is awkward. Wait, they're in Germany. And it was a Polish team playing. And the Polish team won. But how, why everyone's singing happy birthday in English though? I guess because he's English, they just decided yeah. we'll, we'll do him the honors. You guys are so cute breaking that down. That was cute. But anyway, <laughs> how how funny was it when uh, Harry was trying to deflect really badly and you see Meghan like pointing like at his like uh, at him and like shaking his shoulders. It's just really cute because Prince Harry knows, you know, everyone is looking at him when he was walking in through the stands and everyone was saying happy birthday to him. Even team, uh, the Polish team actually sang a song to him. I don't know if it was happy birthday, but they were taking uh, videos and photos with him and was singing to him. So it's just really cute that they embrace him over there. And beyond cute, and which it is, um, I think this is a reset. Um, they have been really, they've been going through it in the United States um, with a lot of bad publicity, you know, from Netflix to Spotify to just general PR. I think this, you just watch this and you see well, how important the games are to them. You see their relationship, which, you know, you don't necessarily, it seems so managed in the United States and it's so casual thing, here. I, listen, I think this is really good for them. Hi, it's Ben from Boston, and my comment is I'm just impressed with Harry's pregame performance. Everyone knows when it's your birthday, they're going to be singing happy birthday. It's going to be embarrassing. He had six beers at the restaurant. <laughs>
beforehand. That's exactly what I would be doing. He looked all liquored up. He had a good time. He was relaxed. Props to Harry. I think the the, the six beers were the night before. This was uh, Friday morning. But he did have yeah. six beers. But he did which have is six beers. Really interesting. Well, Sophie Turner is uh, still working. We told you that she is uh, shooting this British TV show called Joan. She's a star, uh, and that she's shooting in Spain. So we got some new images of her hard at work <laughs> with uh, her co-star, uh, who is playing her husband. So yes, you are going to see them making out here in just a second. Don't. This has nothing to do with the divorce from Joe. This is not another relationship. It's being filmed. It's a movie, folks. Yes, uh, this is work. The joy of being an actor. <laughs> um, but she's working through it. Let's put it that way. Do you know what I see here? It's almost cathartic that she can just kind of let loose and just, you know, it's it's, it's almost going I in mean, like a scream. It's like an escape from kind of. the reality of her life, which is dealing with this Kind of what I mean. Yeah. You've definitely said crazier things. Than that. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs>